Well, hello. Thanks for being here with us for TCC at Home. Uh, excited that you've joined us and uh, eager to jump into God's Word. Uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 55. Uh, last week we began a series uh, jumping into the book of Psalms uh, entitled Thinking and Feeling with God. Uh, today we're going to continue that by uh, looking at what it means to engage our hurt. Uh, and <clears throat> as I was thinking about hurt, I uh, immediately thought of and called to mind the old adage that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, you remember hearing that on the playground as a kid? Um, <clears throat> how, uh, how'd that work out for you over time? Uh, I, know, I know for me, as I think about uh, that adage, uh, it uh, hasn't exactly rung true over the years. It's, it's really words that often lead to the deeper and longer lasting hurt. Uh, in fact, if you've been emotionally wounded, uh, in some ways you would almost rather be physically uh, wounded. Uh, and, and in fact, what's, what's worse about words hurting is that often for words to hurt, you have to be close enough to someone for those words to really do damage. And, and in, in fact, that's what we're going to see in Psalm 55, that words that come from those that we know best often hurt the most. And so uh, when we talk about engaging our hurt, um, I think it's helpful for us to be able to define what we're talking about when we talk about hurt. And uh, as I've been walking through emotion, looking at emotions and uh, looking at the Psalms, uh, there's a book in particular uh, by Chip Dodd called The Voice of the Heart that, that kind of defines uh, eight key emotions. And, uh, and he defines hurt as the emotional and spiritual cry within us that lets us know we have pain. So hurt is the cry within us that identifies that we're experiencing pain. And, and pain can happen in a lot of different ways. Pain can happen from uh, circumstances beyond our control. We can experience hurt as a result of those circumstances. Hurt can, uh, can perhaps be most acutely felt uh, in our personal relationships. That's what we're going to see in Psalm 55, the hurt that comes from those that we know best. And in those cases, the feeling of hurt can run deep. Even when a, a conversation or a circumstance is short-lived, the hurt can linger on. For years, for decades, hurt can linger in our hearts when it's not engaged properly. Consider the words that we use when we've been hurt, especially in relationships. Uh, words like, it was a spear in my chest, it, it crushed me, or I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me, I was stabbed in the back, or it broke my heart, it, it tore me into pieces. These, these words... Uh, these descriptions describe the depth uh, of the wounds of the hurt that we feel. If this year has taught us anything, I, th I think uh, it's that we're all going through something. Uh, no matter who you're talking to or who you're dealing with, you can assume that everyone's struggling with something right now. And, and I think as we talk about hurt, it's likely that we're all experiencing hurt on some level or we're about to experience hurt shortly. And we're all walking through this and experience this. And if we had time to share stories, we could all share stories, uh, perhaps of hurt in the past or even hurt in the present that we are talking about. And, and last week when we talked about uh, how to think about our emotions, we, we identified two errors that we want to avoid. 
as we uh, think about our emotions. And, and the first is, uh, is this idea of allowing emotions to be everything. So we, we want to avoid, as we talk about hurt today, for hurt to be the, the, the primary thing about us that defines everything about us, that we elevate it to what's most important and define ourselves by our hurt. Uh, but at the same time, we want to avoid the, the, the opposite error of making uh, emotions nothing, dismissing them, avoiding them. And so we don't want to uh, dismiss hurt or avoid hurt, uh, treating it as if it's nothing. Instead, we want to think rightly about our hurt and we want to walk through our hurt with God. That's what we've been talking about, engaging God, thinking and feeling with God as we engage our emotions. And in fact, when, when we recognize that our emotions are a gift that God has given to us to help us live fully in this present life, a life that's full of, uh, of great loss and, uh, and great joy of wonder and tragedy, when we see our emotions as tools, as gifts that God's given us, part of what it means to be made in the image of God, and we begin to think rightly about how to engage them, then, then we're really getting somewhere. And so sometimes when we think about emotions or hurt even, we only think about the negative things that it can lead to. And we don't consider the good that can come from it. And in fact, as Chip Dodd goes on to explain, he talks about the experience of the hurt. He says, both by itself as well as running through all our feelings, hurt offers us a tremendous opportunity. It's kind of a strange way to look at it on one hand. But think about it this way. When we are willing to acknowledge our hurt, it's an opportunity to admit, accept, and surrender to the truth of our neediness. And I think we're going to see that neediness come out in Psalm 55 as David uh, pours out his heart before God and, and, and processes the hurt that he has experienced. And so Psalm 55 is where we are going to be uh, today. Psalm 55 uh, is a psalm of David. We, we don't know the circumstances behind it, but what we know is that it's a personal lament. Uh, it's David uh, turning to God in the midst of experiencing the wounds of, of personal betrayal. We'll see later how uh, all that's taking place has come about, not from the hand of, of an unknown enemy, but from the hand of a well-known friend. And so when we think about Psalms of Lament, which we perhaps will come back to in, uh, in, in more occasions as we walk through this series in the Psalms, the, the Psalms of Lament follow a pattern. Uh, you, could, you could call that pattern or define that pattern first as a, a cry to God for help. Uh, we, we see this crying out to God often at the beginning of a psalm of lament. And then there's this complaint of the circumstance or of the trouble that's being experienced. There's this laying it out before God. And sometimes that complaint can be uh, a gut level, honest, uh, raw uh, complaint. And, and then we see this move towards trusting in God's work and deliverance. And then often uh, we see this conclusion of a praise for God's deliverance. And so we're going to see that play out here in Psalm 55. But as we turn to read verses 1 through 8, I want to remind you that the Psalms are both poetry and prayer. They're poetry and that they're written in the language of our heart. They express the deepest feelings and longings of their heart. And they're also prayer in that they instruct us on how to talk to God, or even better, they instruct us on how to respond to God in all of our circumstances and even all of our emotions. And so with that in mind, this language of the heart and this language of responding to God, listen to Psalm 55 verses 1 through 8. 
Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Here in verses 1 through 8, as we think about engaging our hurt, we see David cry out to God in his hurt. And the same is true for us. We have to cry out to God in your hurt. Look at how David does this. The, the first thing that becomes apparent as we read in these verses is that David acknowledges his hurt. Listen to the way he uh, describes it back in verse 2. Uh, he, he says, I'm restless in my complaint and I moan. He goes on to say that my heart is in anguish within me in verse 4. He says in verse 5, fear and trembling have come upon me. He, he's laying out his hurt, being honest with God about the wound, about the hurt. And I think one of the desires for us in this sermon series is to dispel the, the myth that emotions are bad. We, we've said already that emotions are a gift, part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And they are a tool that God uses us to, to, to help us navigate life. And we have to think rightly about how to respond to our emotions. And so too often we think that if we are feeling strongly about something, whether it's a, in our minds a good or a negative feeling, we think, oh, that must be terrible that I'm feeling this way. Or we think if we're struggling with our feelings that we must really be in a bad place. Now, we, we have to see that it's important for us to acknowledge what we are feeling. In fact, if you can think of it this way, our, our emotions, uh, if you put yourself in your car, I know for some of you during this pandemic, you haven't perhaps been in it very much, but if you put yourself in your car, uh, our emotions are like the dashboard. Uh, our emotions are the dashboard rather than the GPS. You see, the dashboard is there to give you the facts of, of where you're at, of how fast you're going, of, of how much gas you have, of, uh, of, of your oil, uh, and all of these different dynamics. It tells you where you are. Your GPS is telling you how to get where you need to go. See, our emotions are great for telling us where we are, helping us understand where we are, but they're not great at getting us to where we need to go. In fact, I, I thought back uh, to my experience in, uh, in the car, and I've had a, a number of experiences in my life, mostly in my younger years, um, <clears throat> I won't tell you how much younger, uh, where I've run out of gas in my car. And uh, the worst time, though, was when I ran out of gas in someone else's car. I used to have a job, and part of my job was to pick my boss up from the airport and, uh, and take him home. And I got in the car one day to pick him up, and I noticed that the oil light came on. Uh, the dashboard was telling me my current situation, which was that I didn't have very far to go until I ran out of gas. However, I made a decision to respond in that moment, uh, believing that I could get where I needed to go and back and then fill up the gas tank um, before uh, I could wait until I picked up my boss and, and afterwards fill up the gas tank. Well, Everything went great. I was able to pick up my boss. Uh, we were headed back. We got about halfway back uh, in the August heat in the middle of the day. 
And the car did exactly what it told me it was going to do. It ran out of gas. Uh, perhaps the, the worst uh, moment and experience in my professional life uh, of, of running out of gas in my boss's car, leaving he and his wife in the hot August sun. Uh, our emotions tell us where we're at, and it's important for us to pay attention to them and respond rightly to what they're telling us. Uh, otherwise, we'll end up in some pretty bad places. And when it comes to engaging our hurt, it's imperative for us to be able to, to see what the dashboard is telling us, to acknowledge it, to not dismiss it. That's what I did. To not reason it away that I could do it later, but to, to acknowledge it, to see what's taking place. Psalm 55 gives us permission to give voice to our hurt. You're not silly for feeling the way that you do. You're doing exactly what God designed you to do. He designed you to feel. He calls us to acknowledge our emotions, to be able to acknowledge our pain. And in fact, I believe that when we can admit and, and acknowledge the hurt that we have experienced, it's in that admission that we're acknowledging our desire to be healed. We're, we're beginning the journey of, of healing. We're, we're beginning the journey of, of allowing our hurt to be addressed so that healing can take place. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but <clears throat> you're free to be real about your hurt. I feel hurt because being able to complete that sentence Sharing that honestly before God and even honestly with others is the beginning of healing. We, we see in this crying out to God in our hurt, the importance of acknowledging our hurt. But, but it doesn't stop there because as David acknowledges his hurt, what he's doing is he's bringing his hurt to God. Uh, at the very beginning of Psalm 55, this is the, the beginning of, uh, of his prayer. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not yourself from me. Attend to me. Answer me. He's calling out to God. He's, he's bringing this hurt to God. He's, he's saying honestly uh, what he's feeling and experiencing and bringing it to God, believing that God cares, believing that God is able to help him. Remember, the admission of our hurt is a desire for help in, in the beginning of the process of healing. And where do we need to go first and foremost in that process of healing? We need God. Our emotions are fundamentally designed to, uh, to lead us to God. If we engage our emotions, we must engage God. And in fact, last week, as we talked about those two errors of making emotions everything or making emotions nothing, the, the author of the book, Untangling Emotions, Groves, uh, Alistair Groves, he says that, um, ironically, uh, <clears throat> when we believe the lie, um, that we ought to suck up our emotions or just spit it up and make it everything, uh, we, we, we cut ourselves off from experiencing God's help. We can and should deal with our emotions with God's help. And by bringing it to him, by being able to name our hurt and bringing it to God, puts us in a position for us to respond to what we're seeing in our emotions in a way that would honor God. But, 
David goes on as he's sharing, and, and I think it's just the honest expression of his heart as you read in the Psalms. Remember, it's the language of the heart as well as uh, the language of responding to God. David, as he uh, reflects on the hurt that he's experienced, and, and we're going to find out that there's, this, um, there's a deep personal nature to this hurt for David, uh, but as he thinks about it, what he says is, I just wish I could, I could escape. And I think we, we need to hear this warning of resisting running from our hurt. As David uh, begins to cry out, he says, God, I just wish I had wings so I could fly away and rest and, and get away from it all. And, and I think uh, as I examine my own heart, uh, this is the, you know, the, the classic response of, you know, uh, of, of flight uh, in, in the moment of, uh, of this emotion, of this feeling. He wants to, to get away. He wishes he could just fly away and rest. And, and, and like I said, on the one hand, there's, this, uh, there's something good about the honesty and the vulnerability we can have with God in prayer that just cries out. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in God at all times, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart before God. There's, there's this beauty in being able to be vulnerable before God in our prayer. And yet on the other hand, running away from our hurt actually leads to more problems. In fact, uh, what happens when we try to avoid engaging our hurt is we often end up with resentment. Chip Dodd says that resentment is the product of trying to find solutions that reject hurt. So when hurt is denied or minimized or even projected onto one another, it becomes resentment. And, and here's, here's what I thought that was uh, most convicting to me. Uh, he says, in resentment, I not only try to remove myself from the truth of what's happened, but I also try to hide my resentment because it reveals that I have, um, that something has gotten to me. I'm vulnerable. And, and it tries to escape the pain using denial. No, 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 I'm not hurt. No, 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 no there's no problem. But then I hold it over against the person that's wounded me. But I'm unwilling to acknowledge my own hurt. He says it's, it's logical, it's, a, it's an effective reaction, it makes sense to push away, uh, but he says in resentment, what it does is it allows me to know that I have pain, keep it secret, and find others to blame, making them responsible for fixing it. I don't know if you've had that experience in, in relationships especially, where, where something's happened, there's been some hurt that's occurred, and rather than being willing to, to deal with it, you, you try to run from it. And running from it might not mean actually removing yourself, though it could be that. But it might mean withdrawing into yourself, refusing to acknowledge the hurt, and refusing to actually deal with the underlying problem. You see, the, the problem isn't the hurt. The problem is the, the running away from it, not dealing with it. We can't run from our hurt. We have to acknowledge it. That's the beginning of the journey of healing and restoration. At the end of the message, we'll, we'll try to circle back to, to think through the, uh, maybe the process of engaging our hurt, especially uh, as it comes to engaging it in relationships with others. But I, I want to, to emphasize here that engaging our hurt must begin with engaging God. We, we see this crying out to God. There's a vulnerability and David's desire to escape. And there's also a warning for us that if we try to deal with our hurt by minimizing it, dismissing it, projecting it on others, we'll end up with resentment. 
rather than going towards the healing that God ultimately would desire for us. You see, when we acknowledge our hurt, what we're doing is we're acknowledging some pain. We're acknowledging need that we have and, and the desire for restoration. And, and, and acknowledging it doesn't, doesn't end it, but it begins that journey. And so we see in Psalm 55 this pattern of crying out to God in our hurt, but it goes on in verses 9 through 15. And what we see in 9 through 15 is not only does David cry out to God in his hurt, but there's actually uh, this appeal to God for justice in the midst of this. As we look at verse 9, uh, some strong words as, as David prays to God, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. It, oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. Then he gets personal. It's not an enemy who taunts me. That I, that I could bear, he says. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Let death Take them over by surprise. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for, it is, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Here in verses 9 through 15, it, it almost sounds unnatural to us to pray this way. But what David is doing is he's taking uh, the sin and the injustice that he sees uh, both within the city, as he's going to, to describe it in verses 9 um, through 11, as well as that he's experienced personally that he describes in 12 through 14. And, and he's, going to, he's going to ask God to, to set it right, to make it right. We see the violence and the oppression that's taking place in the city. And it doesn't, we don't know the background of this. There is uh, some experience that David has with his son betraying him, Absalom. And there's a close advisor that goes with Absalom. Um, and, and this may lie behind this, but it doesn't, honestly doesn't tell us. But there's apparently some, a personal nature to it that's led into uh, the, uh, the experience of the city, most likely Jerusalem. And he's saying this is what's taking place. And, and there's both a being grieved over it as well as uh, this sense of knowing that it's not right and seeking God to make it right. He says that all of this has not come from the hand of an unfamiliar enemy, but a familiar friend. And that's what pains him almost the most. And so as David appeals to God, he does it in verses 9 and 15. He says, God, I pray that you would thwart their plans just like you confuse the language of the people at the Tower of Babel. Uh, confuse and distort their plan, he says. In verse 9, he also goes on and he says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Now, that's when we read that, we're like, you know, maybe you've had a friend that you didn't really like and you got to that point. But uh, honestly, it seems like maybe, you know, David, are you overreacting a little bit? Um, and, and I think the best way to understand as we see throughout the Psalms, these strong prayers of God for justice is, is this view from the perspective of, of David's expectation is that his enemies won't repent. We, we know throughout the scriptures that when, when we repent, when we turn, God is gracious. But if we don't repent, if we won't relent, if we won't turn from our own way, then we will face God's judgment. And David is praying forward God's judgment, assuming, believing that they won't turn, that they won't repent. He's asking God to give them what they deserve. This isn't personal vengeance. This is seeking divine justice. 
And for us, if we're going to appeal to God to make right what's caused hurt, for justice in the midst of our hurt, we have to be acquainted with God's character and his ways. Otherwise, this would be foreign to us to to seek God's justice in the midst of our hurt. Think about God's character and how it would lead us to pray if we, if we dwelled on it and allowed it to motivate our prayers. Think about the, the truth that God is sovereign, that his plans won't be thwarted, how that might guide us as we respond to our hurt, how God is holy, how he will not allow evil to go on forever, how that might provoke us to pray in light of our hurt, that God is just, that he will make all those who rebel against him to give an account either now or in the day to come. That God is merciful, that he'll bring our suffering and our pain to an end. That God is good, that he will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How, how, how these truths about God's character and his ways should, should really give us the, the confidence and the boldness to seek God. In the midst of our hurt. And in this particular case, to to seek justice, to cry out and appeal to God for justice. Not seeking to take it into our own hands, but seeking God to make it right. And as we seek God to make it right, it inevitably would move us to respond in the right ways in our hurt and in our circumstances. And, you know, honestly, as I, I read Psalm 55, and I continue to just process in my own mind the racial hurt that I'm hearing and that I know exists uh, within, uh, within my own relationships, within our community, within our nation. I couldn't help but think about that in light of Psalm 55, in light of what we see David crying out for here in verses 9 through 15. You see, when, I, when racial division has uh, shown up in our country, when, when we're reminded of it, it's always been there. Uh, especially, I think, in you know, predominantly um, white majority churches, there's a quick call to reconciliation. I, I've done this, and it's right, and it's good. Uh, it's, it flows from the gospel. However, there's often a little display for uh, uh, display. We display little patience for, for telling the truth about our racist past or, uh, or allowing for conversation about the racial wounds that exist in the present. We also struggle to call for justice with equal vigor as we call for reconciliation. As I just consider where we're at and I consider what God's word has to say, I don't know where this takes us, but what I see in Psalm 55 and Psalms as a whole uh, is a pattern of seeking God for justice. And when we're zealous for justice with God in our prayers, we will often find ourselves more committed to justice in our lives. And reconciliation and justice and truth are not at odds, but they must be pursued together. And, and here's, here's the conclusion that I come to as I meditate on the Psalms. And we were, I was just doing this this week in Psalm 88 and, and meditating on God who reveals himself as a God of the fatherless and the oppressed and the poor and the orphan. As I revealed who God says he is. If we serve a God who calls us to correct oppression and seek justice and who requires us to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly, if if that's who God is and that's what God calls us to, I don't know where all it will take us and, and, and what it will do, but what I'm committed to is going where God wants us to go, being who God wants us to be. And if God's heart is for justice, then that's where I want to be. I want with equal vigor to pursue reconciliation. 
with justice and with truth. That's what God would call us to. And as we step back and, and we think about then how this applies to hurt, we, we see the, the, the racial hurt that, that exists in our country. We think about the, the personal hurt that exists in our life. I think one of the things that Psalm shows us is that our problem is often that we're too weak in our talking to God and most often too strong in our talking to people. We, we talk to God too weakly and we talk to people too strongly. We, we are willing to lash out and lambast others. But then we're weak and we whimper in pleading with God. David does the opposite. He pleads with God. He cries out to God in his hurt. He pleads with God for mercy. And if we would plead with God, be quick to come to him on the basis of his character, what better position it would put us in to deal with hurt? Now, now listen, as I talk about dealing with hurt, this, again, this plays out on, on some deeply personal levels. And, and sometimes we, we are quick to react to what we're experiencing without processing what's happening and thinking about how to rightly respond to it. And the first thing that we need to do is to respond to God. Respond to God in our hurt. Now, Psalm 55 isn't talking about responding to, to hurt in our relationships. It's primarily about responding to God in our hurt. It shows us the foundation of engaging our emotions. Remember, I said that it's a lie to believe um, <clears throat> that we can engage our emotions apart from bringing our emotions to God. We, we have to see our need to bring our emotions to God. And so if taking our emotions to God is the foundation, then that means that we have to build on that foundation. So how do we engage our emotions? I, I want to give us four, four steps to help us think about engaging our emotions. And uh, this comes from Untangling Emotions. And, uh, and the authors say that the Bible's model for engaging emotions means, means something very simple. I like the way they, they laid this out. They said, when it comes to uh, our emotions, when an emotion comes on our radar, when we see or feel hurt, we have to look at it see what we find, and then, notice, not before, and then decide how to respond. So, so here's what we, we need to do when we, when we want to engage our emotions or our hurt. We have to identify it. We've said already, we have to acknowledge our emotions and name what we're feeling. I'm feeling hurt because... This doesn't mean that you have to properly diagnose all that you're feeling. You may not even be able to identify that it's hurt. Maybe you just feel that something is off. But you have to acknowledge it before you can move on. You have to identify it. And then we have to examine. Remember last week we said our emotions are always communicating something. What we value. They're helping us connect. They're, they're connecting us to God. They're, they're revealing things about us. What we care about. What we love. So when we examine uh, our, our emotions, we examine our heart, we say, why am I feeling this way? What am I reacting to? Why, why is this hitting me so hard? Or maybe why isn't this hitting me harder? How is this emotion making me want to act? Like just to, to see what's taking place and examine it is, is vital. And, and when you're examining, you're not trying to make a call on what you, is this emotion good or bad? Should, what should I, you're just saying what, what's taking place. You have to take stock in order to know how to respond. But then we evaluate. You see, when we evaluate our emotions, there's, there's often a number of different things underneath and behind them. Sometimes there's, uh, there, there's, there's good and bad dynamics at play, and it's often a mixture of these things. And so uh, we, we have to ask ourselves, what am I believing about this situation or this person? 
What, what were the expectations? Was there sin on my part or on their part? I, I, I think back to, to when I was in college, my roommate, uh, we were best of friends. We spent uh, pretty much every year together. I think we took the same classes. At one year, we even had the same backpack. Uh, it was so bad, you know, like we had to, uh, some, one had to put their bag on and walk in a classroom, and then one had to take their bag off, you know, so we didn't look like twins all the time. Uh, we, we were close, but I often would, uh, there would be times maybe where, where I would just kind of, get upset about something, maybe was hurt by uh, an, an action that, that he took or did. And, uh, and as I processed what was going on, often I was hurt because of some wrong expectation, misplaced expectation that I had in a circumstance. And in that particular relationship, it was rarely because of something specifically said or done with the intent of hurting me. But that's the importance of being able to evaluate as it puts you in a position to say, okay, is there something in me that, that I maybe was thinking wrongly about or had a different expectation about that is playing out right now, leading to me experiencing this hurt? Or, or maybe there really is something that was done or said that, that the pain of that needs to be addressed. So we have to evaluate and then act is the fourth, the fourth step. Our emotions are not meant to be a primary guide, but... Once we've evaluated what we're feeling, we have to respond in a way that honors God and loves our neighbor. And here's what that means in hurt. When you've been hurt, you're experiencing hurt, there's a risking vulnerability in identifying it. Yes, when we talk to God, we must identify it, but there's a risking vulnerability when we identify it with others. Remember, hurt often comes in relationships, and, and dealing with that hurt means dealing with the one who hurts you, and so it can often get complicated. So there's this risking of vulnerability to name where we've been hurt, as well as a willingness to extend forgiveness if sought. But then when we think about acting, if we're the one who has hurt, we have to own our responsibility in causing hurt. If we dismiss it or ignore it, it will only lead to more pain, more hurt. So we have to own our responsibility by confessing sin, by acknowledging our action that led to hurt. Even if unintended, seeing how the unintended actions have led to hurt of another. And then ask for forgiveness when we've wronged someone. Now, I know in, in laying out four steps, you're like, in a moment, how am I to remember all those things? And this is why it's helpful for us to be able to step back from the moment to learn how to think and feel with God before we find ourselves in those moments. Um, but, but one thing I would say as an encouragement to us, I think when we think about engaging our emotions, this doesn't have to be something that we do in isolation. Uh, in fact, we can't, really. Uh, what, what we often need uh, is other people. In fact, I would encourage you to find someone you can trust to help you in thinking through how to engage your emotions if you're struggling. Now, if they encourage you to maybe indulge your hurt and uh, give in to, to that resentment or they try to dismiss your hurt as uh, not being significant, maybe you should find a different friend uh, to talk to. Uh, but, but I want you to know as one of your pastors, both myself and Pastor Chris, we, we are here and available to you, to help you engage your hurt, to walk through these things in a way that would honor God and love others. We also are a church that, that, that values community. We, we believe that we're not just like a family, but we are a family. And so as God's family, we are put into community with one another. We, we see this in our small groups. We see this in meaningful relationships in our church where we can help one another. We can trust one another to walk through difficult things together, including engaging our emotions. 
In fact, as I, I think about this, just to encourage you and practicing this importance of, of talking to others, just a, um, um, a slight example that we see in the life of Jesus helps us think about this. Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, before going to the cross to pay the price for our sin and to rise victorious from the, from the dead, that overwhelming thought of bearing the judgment of God for the sin of humanity, he goes with his disciples, he takes three of them away, and he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Think about this, the son of God, fully God and fully man, he's willing to bear his heart, the pain, the weight of what he's feeling with his disciples saying, wait here with me, pray with me. And then it says he goes a little further and he falls on his face and he prayed. See, this importance of being able to, uh, to talk with others about what we're feeling, but then taking our feelings to God. He falls on his face and he prays, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Here in this example, not meant to, to necessarily teach us about engaging our emotions. We see a picture, a model, even within our Savior, is willing to talk with those closest to him about what he felt. But then he goes to God and he pours out his heart and he surrenders and submits himself to his Father's will. See, that's where we're, we, we end up in this psalm. As David lays out his heart, he cries out to God, he, he appeals to God for justice. In verse 16, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Even the morning, even and evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul and safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from old, because they do not change and they do not fear God. My companion, here he goes describing this personal offense, stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Then notice the encouragement. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. You see, Psalm 55 ends with, the call to trust God in our hurt. Verse 16 is the turning point. But I call on God. It reminds us that to engage our emotions is to engage God. Yes, we need to think through how to identify and examine and evaluate and then act, but all of that's undergirded by this call to, to trust God. Verses 16 through 19 really lay out this beautiful picture of dependence on God and confidence in God. I'm, I'm calling out to you. I'm crying out to you, God. I'm, I'm seeking you. I believe that you'll save me. I, day and night and at noon, three times a day, I lay out my complaint and you hear my voice. Notice, dependence, God, I'm calling out to you in desperation, evening, morning, and noon, and I know you hear my voice. I know you will save me. And then he ends there in verse 23, but I will trust in you. Those six words, those six words can, can change us and sustain us as we experience any emotion, especially hurt. See, I think lasting healing from hurt can only come when we're trusting God. In fact, there are some times when our hurts may not be able to be addressed with the ones who have hurt us. Maybe it was a circumstance that led to it, and it's hard to identify who particularly hurt us. Maybe the person who hurt us isn't willing to address it, or maybe they're gone. 
And those moments, where can you turn but to God? But I will trust in you. However, when the offense can be addressed, there's still trust in God that's required. How do you have the courage to identify, to admit your hurt if there's not a trusting in God? How do we have the courage to seek forgiveness when we've hurt others if we're not trusting God? This is the foundation of of restoration, is trusting in God. If we're going to trust him in our hurt, it will lay the foundation for healing. And in fact, in in all of this, the theme that, that permeates is found there in verse 22. Notice what it says. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. One commentator says, sometimes life can be pretty chaotic. Overwhelmed by trouble. Tempted to run away. Surrounded by violence. Betrayed by friends. And those times we say with David, but I'm trusting you to save me. We say this with great confidence because we're speaking to a God who has ruled forever. Or as verse 19 says, God has been enthroned from of old. You see, what what Psalm 55 verse 22 is telling us is that God doesn't promise to remove our hurt from us. He doesn't promise to take our emotions away, but he promises us to be with us in our hurt to be with us in our emotions, sustaining us, helping us to navigate and see how to respond to what we're feeling. And so I I want us, as we conclude today, just to to give room uh, for for all of us to to be able to take stock, to, to look at our own lives. Maybe you're experiencing hurt right now. Maybe there's hurt that you haven't been willing to actually acknowledge. Maybe you've been doing what we talked about with resentment. Acknowledging that there's hurt to yourself, but keeping it to yourself and then holding it over against someone else. I want there to be room for us to deal with God, to acknowledge our hurt, to confess our resentment, to cry out to him, to express our trust in him. Would you do that this, today? Would you do that allowing God to, to sustain you and be with you in your hurt? Allow you to know how to respond, to move towards healing to get help. That's what God's holding out to us as we see throughout this psalm. This cry of crying out to him concludes with this trusting in him. And, and you know, in many ways, as I've laid all of this out, if, if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with him, <clears throat> in many ways, this probably sounds foreign. In many ways, it sounds like, what, how do I even make sense of this? And, and, and just like we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what he was praying about in that moment is the reason you can trust him. His willingness to submit to his father in his moment of great need before going to the cross. And yet getting up from that moment and going to the cross to bear our sins. To take what the judgment that we deserve for our sin upon himself can can give you the confidence. To trust in him. To to come to him in, in, in humility. To come to him turning from your sin and trusting in him. Because you see he not only went to the cross for us but he rose. He's the God who reigns forever, who's on the throne from of old. He came down from that throne to go to the cross and be put in the grave. And now he sits on the throne again. And anyone who would call on him can be saved. 
If you don't know him today, would you call out to him? In your own words, would you say to God, I I turn from my sin. I see my need and I trust in you. I believe that you died for me and you rose. I give you my life. Put that in your own words. There's no magic and and let us know so we can rejoice with you. We can give you a resource to to help you uh, begin your walk with God. Uh, Text your name to the number on the screen so we can begin that conversation. And, And for every believer, that foundation of why we can trust God a God who went to the cross on our behalf and who rose from the dead. He's the God who allows us to engage our hurt, not run from it, but see what it's telling us so that we can think and feel with God. Let's do that today. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I just want in this moment to, to give room to, to every one of us to, to really be honest with you as we think about <clears throat> our emotions, we think about our hurt, God, perhaps there's somebody listening today that is hurting, that is walking through something difficult. Maybe there's somebody today who's dealing with resentment, who um, maybe didn't see it then, but sees it now that they were running from actually addressing the pain and addressing the hurt, owning their responsibility in it, or, or, or perhaps just being willing to acknowledge it to be able to seek restoration with someone. God, would, would you allow both the freedom and the, and the confidence to, to come to you with that? Just as we see here in Psalm 55, God, uh, lead us to pour out our hearts to you, to cry out to you in our hurt. God, we, we know that we're not trying to dismiss what's right and what's wrong. We want you to do what's right. We want you to do what's just. Make right what's wrong. Mend what's been broken. God, lead us to, to be vulnerable enough to admit our hurt as well as bold enough God, to seek forgiveness and restoration. God, thank you that you're a God who gives us wisdom and direction for how to engage our emotions, even engaging our hurt. God, I pray that you would lead us, lead us to a place of healing in our relationships and in our lives. God, lead us to a place of engaging our hurt in a way that would honor you. Help us, God, to think and feel with you. We submit these things to you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.